Um, so two weeks, two weeks ago today, thanks brother, um, we began a season of prayer and fasting. We are at the 15 day mark, so halfway through, uh, which is today. Um, and I wanna just, uh, you don't have to answer out loud, but I do want to ask these questions and let you think about it. How's it going so far? You know, as, how, how's praying going? Are you experiencing breakthrough with God? Um, are you finding yourself just being drawn more towards God, like wanting to be in his presence, wanting to talk, wanting to listen to God more? Is, is God teaching you something about who God is? Is God showing you things about who you are? How is this season of, of prayer? And you might go, man, I haven't really prayed one time. Okay, today's the day to start today. You know, how, how's, how's fasting going? Because these aren't the, the same thing, right? Praying and fasting are, are similar, but they're not the exact same thing. How's fasting going so far? Are you, are you simply enduring it? Are you enjoying it? Did you already end it? You know, I don't know where you are. I don't know if it's been hard for you, or if it's been easy. I don't know if, you've, if it's been this thing that's really stretched you or if it's, it's just right in your wheelhouse because you fast 300 days a year. Like, I don't know your spiritual journey, but, but I wanna encourage you, keep going. Like, do not quit, okay? We're, we're halfway through. I was driving yesterday. My, my son, Jones, is about to start playing t-ball, so we went to get some cleats and his baseball socks, which, is, which he's wearing this morning, I saw. Like... <laughs> And, and we were driving in the car and he just asked me, dad, why are you fasting? And I'm like, that's a great question. I had to think for a minute. Like someone asked you, why are you fasting? How would you answer them? Maybe you've already answered this, but, but, but I sat there for a minute and I said, Joan, somehow God works through prayer and fasting to, to relinquish the strongholds in people's lives that this is what he told us in the book of Mark. He said that, that this type, he told his disciples, this type only comes out through prayer and fasting. And so Jones, it's a mysterious work of God. I don't understand how God works in it, but he tells us if we will pray, if we will fast, something is happening in the spiritual world that, 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 that things that are holding people down, suppressing them in the kingdom of God, God works through our praying and works through our fasting. And so I want to encourage us, even if we can't see it, even if you don't feel it, even if you're tired, even if you're hungry, even if all you want to do is get on your phone and look at social media, keep going, okay? Don't quit. We need people in our lives telling us, you can do it. You can do it. Let's see what God has for us. All throughout this season, we're in Luke chapter 15. If you ever read the book, the, the book of Luke, and specifically chapter 15, it's such a beautiful um, chapter where Jesus gives us three different stories. And in these three stories, he does several things. The first thing that runs throughout all three of them is, is that he wants to communicate to us his excitement in the heart of God when people who don't know God come back to God. That you're gonna see this. You saw it last week, you're gonna see it today, you're gonna see it next week. That, that when people of God who've been estranged from God find themselves coming back to the presence of God, the only response in the heart of God is rejoicing and celebration. And some of you need to be reminded of that this morning. Some of you need to hear that for the first time because you've been wandering from God, you've been away from God, and you're going, man, how does God feel about me? God is throwing a party. God wants us to see his heart. I love that Jesus, the second thing that he does in these three stories is he's such a master at illustrations. And so he's going after our hearts. And I, and I don't know if you noticed this, but, but last week he's, he tells a story about a shepherd and that the shepherd uh, has a hundred sheep and one of his sheep goes missing. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and pursues and finds the sheep and he finds the sheep and he puts the sheep on his shoulders 
And he carries the sheep back and he calls his friends and his family, rejoice with me. This sheep of mine that was lost is now found. And, and I can just imagine that there were shepherds that were sitting in that crowd that this would have really connected on a heart level that some people would have gone, yeah, you know what? I'm a shepherd or my dad was a shepherd or my sister's a shepherd or whatever it is. And, and, and I understand that analogy. But a lot of people like you and I, like not many of you are shepherd farmers, like sheep farmers, right, in, in Nashville. And we don't always connect with that. And so I love the second story that he tells. He says, or, or it's like a woman who was cleaning out her house. And in the first century, a lot of women, they, they, they took care of the home. They, they, they educated the children and they, and they cooked and they cleaned and their, their livelihood was, was in their home. And a lot of women who didn't connect with the shepherds, man, this really got to them. They're like, oh yeah, I remember losing my phone and taking all the furniture out and dusting and, 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 and giving the whole house just a makeover, looking for that one thing that I was lost. And I love what Jesus does because he doesn't just wanna speak this truth to, to help us understand what, what, what God does when sinners come home. He also wants to really speak to us on a level that we understand. Jesus doesn't just show up and give us facts. No, he speaks to us in stories to get our hearts. And the third thing that Jesus does in these different stories is he reveals different truths about different people and how they find themselves being distant from God. And so last week, it was all about a wandering sheep. And some of this really connected with you, man, that, that your curiosity led you to a place that you never intended to go, that, man, you were just distracted in life. You were, you were consumed with, with your kids or you were consumed with your job and, and you took your eyes off of God and you look up after two years and you're so far from where you wanted to be, where you ever thought you would be. And some of you really connected with the sheep. And I love what Jesus is teaching us today about the coin. Because the reality about a coin is a coin doesn't lose itself. A coin gets dropped. A coin gets disregarded. Have you noticed how many pennies or nickels are just laying on the ground everywhere? <laughs> you're right, guys, you like pull out your keys and a penny falls out, you're like, man, it's not worth it. <laughs> They're not valuable to us. How do you lose a coin? You are careless with the coin. And I wonder how many of you, man, you don't feel like a wandering sheep. You didn't put your head down. You haven't been running from God. How many of you though, this really feels like your story. You feel like a lost coin. You feel distant from God. And when you look back at your life, you go, man, it's because someone's really careless with me. That someone treated me like I didn't matter. Someone treated me like I didn't have any value. And now there's this wedge between you and a person or between you and God that you, you've done everything that you know how to do, but it just is there and you can't seem to remove it. You can't seem to get past it. I go, someone was careless with you. And this is some of your story. For some of you, it was, it was careless words that were spoken. And so man, for, for, for some of you, this was a long time ago. Someone spoke a word to you in high school. They said something about you to your face or they spread a rumor about you behind your back. And you don't want this, you don't want it to be true, but it just has bothered you ever since. It has stuck with you that you find yourself driving to work and you think about those, those words and you can't seem to shake them. Or someone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, 
They spoke something carelessly in a misinformed, inaccurate way about who God is. And it stuck with you and it stung you for so long. You look back on your life and yeah, you were making some bad choices, but, but someone said something like this to you maybe. God can never forgive you for what you did. For getting divorced. For cheating. For stealing. For dishonoring your family. For getting arrested. For being promiscuous. For having an abortion. And some of you come here this morning and And words were spoken to you and they've paralyzed you. They've crippled you. They've isolated you. And it's more than just words that were said. It's the way that that people treated you. Rejection, judgment. There was gossip. Maybe you even kicked out of your family or your church. You were ignored. And you come here and you go, man, I'm not claiming to be perfect. But when you look back on your life, you feel like a coin that was dropped. You were disregarded. Someone was careless with you. Someone didn't value you. Or maybe it wasn't a person. Maybe you feel this way towards God. Maybe you feel like God disregarded you, that God didn't value you. Man, you prayed for your sister, you prayed for your best friend, you prayed for your dad. And yet they passed away anyway. And there's been this distance between you and God, this, this wounding. And I know this is super heavy, right? You could hear a needle drop in this room. And it feels especially close to home to many. And there's probably something about this that almost every part of you just wishes that we weren't talking about this. But the reason we are talking about this is because God doesn't desire you to keep living in the hell that you're living in. Where you're alone and you're scared and you're wounded and you felt discarded and you feel trapped. Because that is not who you are and that is not what God desires for you. I would never desire that for any of my kids. God does not desire that for any of his children. I love that Jesus uses a woman in this illustration. In our home, if you lose something, you know who you want looking for it? Courtney, the other day, literally we were looking for Finley's water bottle for school and she's like, hey, I think it's in the garage. And so I go down to the garage, turn my flashlight on. I'm like casually looking for it. Of course, I don't find it. I come upstairs. Hey, I couldn't find it. I come home from work. You know where that water bottle's sitting? On the corner of our kitchen counter. And I couldn't bring myself to ask her about it because I know that she found it. And, 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 and this is just the way that it works, man, that I can't help but see the gentleness, the determination, the carefulness, the thoughtfulness, the perseverance. And it's not that men don't have this, but women just seem to have an extra measure. I wonder if this is part of the image of God and our sisters. This is what Jesus is saying. This is, this is what God is like. God is gentle. God is determined to find that which is missing. God is careful. I love that in the story the, that Tim read, that the very first thing that the woman did, do you know what she did the very first thing? She lit a lamp. Why do you light a lamp? So you can see. 
right? And, and so many of us, we have these, these deep wounds in us and we prefer to hide them. We prefer to keep them in the dark. Why? Because it is so painful to look at and talk about. I even felt that talking this morning, like I don't want anyone to, to feel that pain, that sensation. Think about when, when someone turns on a light in the morning, right? You're sitting in the dark. Court and I do this. We get up and pray. And, and our kids, for whatever reason, they just think that every light in the house needs to be turned on. And so it's dark and they turn the lights on. And if you've ever been there, you know that the very first reaction, you close your eyes, you want to reject it. You might even say a cuss word. You're like, get out of here, darkness. Or get out of here, light. I want darkness. Or if you've ever had a physical wound, right? The hardest thing to do is just to let the doctor treat you. To let your mom, let your dad treat you. God isn't turning the light on. We're not talking about this today. He's, he's, he's not going to the wound because he wants to hurt you. No, the reality is that you've been hurt and he's looking for you because he wants to heal you. I remember growing up, my dad was watching me and my younger brother and we were playing down at the farm. My brother um, cut his foot pretty bad on this piece of sheet metal. And we go home and his foot's bleeding and my dad takes it to the sink and we're just trying to wash it off to see what we're dealing with. And we're like, oh, we got to get him to the hospital. And so there's this trail of blood that we don't have time to clean up. And this was before cell phones were a big deal. And, and so my mom comes home and I remember her just telling us, she's like, I come home and see this trail of blood. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Like, what is, what is going on? And, and, she, and she's looking for us. Why? Not because she's angry, because she wants to help. Because her heart goes, man, there's something going on with someone in my family and I, don't, I know that this is not okay. God turns on the light. He's, he's, he's asking you will, will you, will you bring that pain into the light? She lights the lamp. She sweeps the house. It's a picture of, of the woman removing everything that could possibly be hiding the coin, the debris, the dust the furniture, anything that could possibly be hiding the coin. And, and I go, are there, are there things this morning that you're hiding behind? Is it a relationship? Is it a lie? Is it a habit? Something that you're doing just to cover up that wound. And Jesus says, what God is like is like a woman who, who removes everything in the house carefully. The next detail is, is that the woman, she searches until she finds it. And I, I love that word, until. When does she stop looking? Not until she finds it. God is persistent and God doesn't give up on finding us when we're lost because we're so valuable to God. I read this week, this is interesting. In the first century, when 10 coins like this were mentioned, there was a cultural light bulb that would have gone off. But because we're not in the first century, we don't connect with this. It doesn't hit us. But when a woman had 10 coins in the first century, and this wasn't always the case, it might've just been her earnings or, or whatever. But a lot of times when a woman had 10 coins like this, they were strung together. And this was her dowry. It was so valuable to her what she would give to her husband one day. And, and I love what, what God is conveying to us in this illustration that he's wanting us to see and to understand how valuable we are to God. Like, like a coin that is missing from a dowry is incomplete. 
So is God's heart. So is God's kingdom. So is God's plan without you. Like when you are, are not in this vibrant relationship with God where, where his love and his mercy is washing over you and where you're enjoying his grace and his kindness and his heart and his revelation and his power and his healing. When there is a disconnect in that, God is like a, a, a woman that is, is longing to have this completeness. Jesus, you gotta understand got to understand how valuable you are to God. And Jesus finishes. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. And Jesus finishes. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We have to remember who it is that Jesus is talking to. Because I don't think what he is saying is that the lost coin is only lost because of their sin. That would seem to undo what he was just trying to build. Remember last week we talked that Jesus is talking to two different groups of people. He was talking to, to Pharisees and teachers of the law, this, this legalistic group, this, this group of people that kept a, a tight watch on their own spiritual lives and on everyone else's. And they were quick to make judgment calls and to, to speak into existence places that, that you were missing and that I was missing. It. There were these people who had no need for the salvation of Jesus. This was a group of people that Jesus said things like this to in Matthew chapter 23. You're like a whitewashed tomb. In other words, on the outside you look beautiful, but on the inside there's nothing but death. To Pharisees and teachers of the law, people who had no need for Jesus, no room for Jesus, who, who were content to, to do this thing all by themselves. He said, everything on the outside of your life looks fine, but on the inside there's wickedness. You have this group that, that thinks they're in a good place with God. And then you have this group of people, the tax collectors and the sinners who knew they weren't in a good place with God. And I wonder if what Jesus is doing in verse 10 is if he's affirming those who have self-identified as sinners. For the tax collectors and the sinners who probably for the majority of their lives, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had, had made them feel like the lost coin made them feel like they didn't belong, made them feel like they weren't worthy to come into the presence of God, made them feel like they, that they were not valuable. And I wonder if what Jesus is doing is, 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 if, is he's saying, hey, you do belong. And the fact that, that you're gathering around me, sinners and tax collectors, is proof that you're understanding what this is all about. It's not just about you, you, those of you who are wounded. It's not that, that, you're, that you're just these sinful people, right? The reality is that all of us are, are, are sinners. And so Jesus isn't saying, he's not connecting these dots. If you've been wounded, you're a sinner. Get right with God. No, I think what he's saying is, hey, all of us are sinners. And some of you are experiencing separation from God because of your woundedness. And all he says is Repent. And he's not talking primarily about your sinfulness. It might be that, that, that some of you, you've been woundedness and you've been acting out and there has been sinful behavior. But for a lot of you, what he's saying is, I don't think he's even talking necessarily specifically about sin. What he's just saying, the word repent just means turn around. And he's saying, for those of you who've been living your life where this love or this mercy, where this grace, where this connection between you and I isn't existing, turn back, repent. And out of the hesitancy for, for a lot of you, you go, but why should I do that? 
This illustration is all about the happiness of God. This is all about the incompleteness in God's heart when, when you're not a part of it. I'm just telling you right now, when, when, if God gives Courtney and I like a long life and we get to live to be old and we have a relationship with two of our kids and not a third, we're not gonna be okay with that. And God says, you wanna know what I'm like? I'm like a woman that, that sweeps out the house and goes after that thing that is missing, that one that is missing. For people who've spent a long time away from God, and some of you, this is the case, man, you, you, you were that, that coin that was lost and God found you. And you've experienced immense healing. You've experienced the immense joy of being in God's presence You've experienced the happiness of God over you coming home. You've experienced the happiness and the presence of the angels over you coming back to God. And I wanna invite you to ask yourself this question. Have you experienced that? Like, have you experienced God rejoicing over you coming back to him? If you're a follower of Jesus, have you really experienced that rejoicing of God? If, if this is what God is like, and Jesus is a truth teller, he always tells the truth. He says, when a, when a sinner repents and comes back to God, there is rejoicing in heaven. My question is, have you experienced that? You ever had a birthday party thrown for you? Man, where, where people show up and they, and they bless you with their words, they bless you with gifts, or maybe they roast you if that's the way that you feel loved, like whatever kind of birthday party you're down for. I remember the summer I was interning at a church here in Nashville and I was living in this family and they had this practice whenever it was someone's birthday. They would gather around the table at dinner and everyone would go around the table and just bless that one person. They would rejoice over that person being in their family. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17 says that he, God, will rejoice over you with singing. Have you received that? Have you experienced that? Have you ever felt that in God's heart towards you? Like, Christy, have you felt that? Charles, have you felt that? Or do you just kind of go, man, God just kind of tolerates me. And, and I'm like that kid that, that came back, but, but God isn't really excited that I'm home. You're like, Brandon, how, how are you supposed to receive that? I've never had a vision. I've never had a dream. Like, God never showed up in my room in the flesh and, and threw a party. <laughs> How do you receive that? You receive it by faith. And it, it starts with faith that, that you, you receive it here in your head. That you go, man, God is delighted that I'm home. And we start to align ourselves with God's revealed truth, regardless of how we feel or how we don't feel. God has said there is rejoicing when people come back. And so when we come back to God, when we, when we come back to God, we say, God, I wanna be serious about following you. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I want to live in your presence. There's rejoicing, whether you feel it instantly or not. We tell ourselves, God loves me. God's glad that I'm home. For some of you this morning, it's, it's an invitation into to taking hold of your faith. You don't always see it. You don't always feel it. It's choosing to lean in regardless. The, Nana, one of the 
people on staff, one of the pastors here at our church, she, she said this in our teaching meeting on Thursday to me. She said, Jesus is the one who speaks our worth. See, the value in something is based upon how much someone is willing to give for it. And Jesus Christ was given for you, his life for yours. And I can't make you accept that as much as I wanna just take that and just like put it in your heart. I can't. The same way that, that Courtney and I can't make our kids eat vegetables. We can put it in their mouth, but we know it's gonna come right back out. I can't make you accept this. That you're valuable. How valuable are you that Christ died for you? No, not me. You have a faith problem. Yes, you. Christ died for you. It was his life for your life. And each of us have to come to that place where we personally accept that, where we go, I, I, I am valued by God. How valuable are you? Someone died for you to save you, to forgive you, to include you, to not just get you back here in a seat on a Sunday morning, but to get you in the presence of God forever. How valuable are you? One life for yours, a life was given for you. For some of you, it's taking hold of your faith. For some of you this morning, you come here and, and you're like that coin and you, and you just need to be found. Right, the coin doesn't like roll up on its side and then start rolling, right? That's not what coins do. What does a coin do? The coin stays where it is. Let's the light shine on it. For those of you this morning that really connect with the coin, let God shine into your pain. Let God have it. We're gonna do something in just a minute that hopefully is gonna allow God to come in and, and to start working in that. I wanna encourage you to, to let someone that you know and trust, let them in. You've kept this in your life. You've kept this to yourself. No one else knows about it. And I just wanna tell you, you shouldn't be carrying that burden by yourself. God wants to remove the things that are, are keeping you hiding it, keeping it in the dark. He wants to remove the, the shame and the secrecy so you can be in his hands, which is where you belong. For all of us who are followers of Jesus, we, we, we welcome, what does this mean for us? We welcome and we rejoice when anyone is found by God, not just in our church, but in other churches. Andrew mentioned two weeks from today on a Sunday night at 5 p.m. at the Canada, we're gonna have a night of baptisms. I wanna encourage you, every single one of you to be there, to experience the rejoicing of heaven as it fills the room, as we celebrate, as God gets God's kids back. But that's two weeks from tonight. What about this week? I want you to think about this. Are there people in your life that have been wounded and because of that, they're distant from God. And here's a really hard pill to swallow. Maybe you did the wounding. You need to ask for forgiveness. Or maybe what God is inviting us into this morning is to join him in the pursuit. To pray for those people in our lives that are wounded and distant. 
to be the kind and gentle light of God if they choose to open up to us. To do whatever it is that we can in love and compassion to help them no longer hide, to help them no longer retreat back into hiding, but to help them abide in the presence of Almighty God. You put that slide up, please, Lana. This morning, we're gonna do something a little bit different. And I think God's gonna come in this and move in some powerful ways. I want you to read over these four questions if you haven't already. I know you probably already did. The second it went up, you were looking there. That's probably what I would have done too. I want you to read over these questions just for a minute and and think about which question just really kind of hits home with you. Who do you identify with in the story? The woman or the coin? You go, man, right now I feel like the coin or I feel like the woman that God is inviting me in to pursue. Or maybe it's the second question. Man, you have, you have some bruises or wounds that you need Jesus to heal. Or the third, this is for some of you, where do you need forgiveness for wounding someone else? The fourth, who are the people in your life that are distant from God? I'm gonna invite you to to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing this. I know that some of you don't. You don't feel comfortable closing your eyes in rooms like this, and that's okay. You can just look down the ground or look up. But I'm gonna just kind of lead us through a, a time of prayer. So I invite you to close your eyes. Almighty God, we come in your presence this morning. And I really just, I give this, these next few minutes to you. And, and I know that there's no way in my own ability that I could facilitate this. And so I'm really asking you just to, to come in and move, God. That as we pray, as we seek your face, that you would just reveal your heart to us, that you would give us a picture of of your face right now. Would you just show us the the way that you see us? And if it's any other picture, God, that that the enemy is trying to to come in to distort, if he's trying to show us a father that's frowning or or someone that's frustrating, that's frustrated at us, God, would you remove those? Because we know those are not from you. You have told us what kind of a God you are. You've told us what you are like. A loving shepherd, a woman that cleanses the house, you are persistent. And so this morning, would you show us your face towards us this morning? You know, all of us this morning, we probably have some kind of, of bruise, for, might be a wound. And it might be a, a really small deal, it might be a really big deal. That's something that you've never told anyone else about or someone that you, something that you talk about often in house church. But the reality is that we all have things. All have, we all have places in our lives. We feel like the lost coin. So here's what I want to invite you to do. To, to ask the Lord, just ask God this question in your head. Because he hears us, he sees us. We don't have to pray out loud for him to, to hear our voices crying out to him. Say, 
Just pray this in your, in your heart. God, are there any bruises or wounds in my life that need your healing touch this morning? As you're picturing it, if God has brought something to the surface, it feels true, it feels like, yeah, that's absolutely a wound, something I'm trying to keep hidden. So often what happens to us is people are careless with us. And we can't do what people, we can't control what people do, how they treat us, but what we can do is we can choose to forgive. That there's something that happens when people are wronged and yet they choose to forgive, that you actually align your life and your heart with Jesus where on the cross he was being crucified and he said, Father, forgive them. The very people who were killing him. And so this morning in your head, I want you just to take this to Jesus and you might not be in a place where you want to forgive, but you might come here this morning and you go, man, I'm ready to come out of hiding. I'm ready for this thing that has wounded me, that kept me in the dark. I'm ready for it to be done. And so I invite you in your head, if, if this applies to you, just to repeat these words in your head. God, they hurt me. You picture their person's face, whoever it was, they hurt me. I encourage you to repeat these words after me. They, they owed me and then fill in the blank. However it is that you were wounded, whatever it is that they've done to, to hurt you. They, they owed me to. Fill in the blank there. They owed me to not treat me like they did. They owed me to, to not abandon me. They owed me to not gossip about me. They owed me to not treat me like they did. I don't want you to imagine if, if you can do this, I want you to, to hold it out in, 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 your, in your mind, to hold it out. And if you're ready to do this, to, to pass this to Jesus, the, 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 the Father who was there with the beginning with you, who was showing you his face at the beginning of this time, to to pass this to Jesus, to pass it to God and to say, God, I'm choosing to forgive today. God, I'm choosing to cancel this debt. And just like you have canceled every debt that I owe you. And I encourage you to Repeat these words after me in your head and your heart. God, I repent of my judgment of them. As if I knew all the reasons that they did what they did. God, would you forgive me for taking your role in judging them? I invite you to repeat these words in your head. I, I release them from having to be my solution to my pain. And I ask that you, God, would be the one that heals my heart, becomes my provision.
have a strong and real need, would you meet that need for me? I encourage you, if this is a lost coin, to, to just stay in that place with God, to keep talking to him, to keep giving him your heart. I want to speak to a minute for a minute to those that come this morning and, and you really identified with the third kind of question is that, that you've done the wounding to someone else. And so I want to invite you to, to, to just be in this place, to, to, to connect with God, to, to let God's face, his kindness shine on you. The scriptures tell us, 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. And he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. And so this morning, if, if you come here in this morning and you realize that you've wounded someone really badly, there's no reason for you to keep carrying that. It's a burden that he's willing and wanting to take from you. And so I encourage you in your head to, to pray this, Lord, I confess that I, and then just fill in the blank. Just tell God what you did. Repeat these words, God, I'm truly sorry. That I hurt this person. Looking back, I have much regret over the way I treated them. I come to you this morning confessing my sin and humbly repenting. encourage you to stay in that place with God. Pay attention to the things that he's showing you, what he's speaking to you. Listen for, for words that, that make you come alive. Listen to words of identity about who you are, about how loved you are, about what God is saying to you. Pay attention to any pictures or words that come to your mind that are words of liberation, words of forgiveness, of love. Those of, are words of God. Lastly, the, the group who really connected with question number four, who are the people in your life that are far from God? And I just want to invite you just to ask God right now. Just repeat these words after, after me in your head. God, will you show me what you're doing? In this person's life. And help me to partner with you. God, I'm so grateful, and I know that this, uh, this process of, of trying to let you come into our wounds, of, of asking forgiveness for the way that we've inflicted wounds, God, that, uh, that you're just an amazing God, and I know that you work and you move. 
And I pray, God, that you would remind us that you're going to finish what you started. That you would continue to, to fill us afresh with, with your love and your mercy. That you would give us insight into, into your heart for us and your heart for the lost. Jesus, that we, would, that we would be very careful in our words and our pursuit of other people, the way that you've been careful with us. God, that you would help us to be people that make um, that are quick to, to own up to our sin and to turn from it, God, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. God, that we would be um, not the ones that are inflicting wounds, but that, that we would be like a, a, a tent where wounded people come and all of us as a church family, we get to be a part of helping them. And so God, we, we ask that in the most gentle way that you can, would you heal all of our wounds? no matter how deep, no matter how long they've been there. God, would you heal us? Would you show us that you see us, that you care? Would you show us that you were with us in the pain, that you weren't distant from us, that even if we felt like you were, that you, you never left us, that you've always been with us because that is your promise, that we leave you, you don't leave us. You told us in Matthew 28, verse 20, I'm with you always. God, I pray that, that we would abide with you. God, I pray that this place of prayer, man, this, this place of coming to you with our real hearts, with our real problems, that we would just find ourselves desiring you more than we desire food, more than we desire what people say about us on social media. And God, that we would, we would give our lives, that you would help us to give our lives to helping people experience you. And so thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are, your mighty power, your realness. Thank you for the way that you work this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.